if New Year's does anything for us, it tends to make us reflect on the year that has ended and the year that is beginning and connect it with our lives. So perhaps you've taken some time already over the past week or two or maybe you've been looking forward to the calendar switching over for 11 and a half months. And maybe you've taken some time recently to think about what's gone on this year. What you've experienced. The highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the wins and the losses, the gains, the losses, the successes, the failures. And you've given some thought to that. And you've connected it with the coming year. Maybe some goals that you'd like to accomplish. Some things that you'd like to see transpire in your life. Some things you'd like to experience. You've thought about the things that you experienced this past year, and you've thought, I really don't want to ever do that again. And you're hoping and you're praying that you won't experience that again this year. New Year's tends to do that to, it, to us, doesn't it? I've already seen, and perhaps you have too, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook from some of my friends. And when I say friends, I don't just mean Facebook friends, I mean friend friends. Who have talked about, let alone giving any thought to my own. And transparently, maybe some of you feel this way this year, or have it other times. I've not been as excited this year for the calendar to transition to a new year. Because, let's just be honest about it. Does one year flipping over to a next erase everything that happened yesterday? I mean, if that were true, you'd be free and clear. You wouldn't be dragging this morning because you stayed up too late last night. You, you'd be excited and you'd be wide awake and ready to go and full of energy. Anyone wake up like that this morning? Maybe one or two of us? How many of you as you've reflected on the coming year, have already made big plans or given thought to things you'll do this coming year? Anyone? Okay, a number of us. H have you ever felt, and maybe you've experienced this easy, even as you've been thinking about those things, have you ever felt that you're too busy? You don't have enough time to do everything that you have to do because you have too much to do or that you can never complete your to-do list how many of you have ever felt that way i don't know about you but mine is a never-ending to-do list i go i go through my day i go through my week with a list of things in my head i want to accomplish and I'll go into some days thinking, well, I'm going to do these three things in an hour, and then I'll get to these other 30 things the rest of the day, and then those three things take the whole day. 
And living that way can get a little tiresome and burdensome, can it? Stephanie and I were talking just, I don't remember what day it was, but it was just earlier this week from a certain perspective. We were talking about goal setting. And I think goal setting can be really tricky because if you've ever had trouble setting goals, in other words, if you've been in a, in, in a day, in a year, or just in life, maybe you have trouble setting goals. And then you feel bad about it. You start feeling guilty about the fact that you've not been doing a good job with goal setting. Or maybe, maybe it's not just feeling guilty. Maybe you actually get convicted about it. And you think, wow, I, I've not been doing real well with having goals and reaching for goals, setting goals and working to accomplish them. What do you tend to do next? Maybe you're not like me, but the next thing I tend to do is overdo it. I've told you before, I'm not, I just am not, I'm not a huge reader. Now, my vocation prompts me to read a decent bit. I'm going back to school. I have to read for that. But, but outside of that, just personally, I'm not an avid reader. And every once in a while, I'll feel guilty about that. I'll feel bad about the fact I'm not a big reader. In fact, this happened beginning of last year. And so I made a list of all the books I was going to read in 2022. Can I confess to you this morning, I did not read all those books. I'm not sure I read a quarter of them. I, I tend every once in a while to get started in a book and get well into it and set it down and maybe things come up and I don't read for a few days and I feel bad so I never go back to it or if I do, I start over. That's just the way I tend to be. Often when we do this and you think you're not goal-oriented enough and in response you... You bite off more than you can chew at one time by so setting a whole lot of goals in various different areas, and you become overwhelmed quickly by trying to accomplish it all. Does that sound familiar? Many of you are shaking your heads. Do you know why I think we struggle with this? I think we struggle with this because often our identities become tied up in what we do. When you meet someone for the first time and you begin to carry on a conversation, what does the conversation often revolve around? Getting to know each other. What you do. Where do you go to school? Where do you work? What's your position? Often our identities are tied up in what we do. It's how we view ourselves and often how others view us. And it often is a burdensome way to live and we carry that weight day by day by day when we are focused on tying our identities to what we do. 
But I think God has a better way for us to live in 2023. Rather than starting with a to-do list, what if we started with rest in Him? What if our New Year's resolution wasn't about all these things that we are going to do? So much as our New Year's resolution was about God, I am going to rest in you. What if we made this new year not just about a fresh start, the turning over of the calendar, but a resolution to start fresh? Not just the year, not just the month, and hey, because January 1st falls on a Sunday, not just the week. But every day, we determined, I'm going to rest in God. I'm going to start fresh. I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew 11, Jesus was visited by some of the disciples of John the Baptist who was imprisoned. You know well the story of John the Baptist. Here was, according to the flesh, the cousin of Jesus. Set apart from God, by God from his conception to be the forerunner of the Messiah. It's pretty telling, isn't it, that when Elizabeth was just over six months pregnant and Mary had just conceived Jesus... And Mary came to visit Elizabeth that when they came into each other's presence that the baby inside Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. And Elizabeth burst out in praise to God because of Mary who was carrying the Savior. I mean, from that time, the Spirit of God was in John the Baptist to go out and to preach the Messiah. But now John the Baptist is imprisoned. And he was a man, like we are. And he got a little discouraged. And he began to question a little bit. And he sent some of his followers to Jesus with this question. Are you really the one that should come? Are you really the chosen one of God. Jesus answered him, and it was a difficult time for John the Baptist. It was a difficult time for some of his disciples. By the way, it was a difficult time for Jesus and his disciples, too. It had been a tough, busy road of ministry. There was opposition they were facing. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is going to confront some of those who conflicted with him. And Jesus, in that context, after some other comments, gave this invitation. Keep it in context. It's in part a response to John the Baptist and his disciples. It's in part a response to his own disciples. It's a response to even those who were opposing Jesus in his ministry. 
And in verses 28 through 30, Jesus gives this invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and in heart, and ye shall find what? Rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Anyone here know what it is to be weary from labor? Anyone here know what it is to be heavy laden? If you are weary from labor, heavy laden today... Jesus calls you to himself so that he can give you rest. Jesus calls out to you and he says, hey, if you are burdened, if you are weighed down under a load that has been heavy and difficult to carry, come to me. And in me, by me, through me, you'll find and experience rest. Today, as this all goes out, it goes out to some here in this auditorium and watching by way of the internet stream who are followers of Jesus. You have trusted him as your Savior. And you're seeking to follow him in your life. For you, the invitation is given and you are called upon to accept Jesus' call and experience the rest that he offers. Through this passage of scripture, I'll show you that God calls us to trust that what he has done is enough. And that we can rest in his done list rather than focusing on our to-do list. Because of that, we can serve out of love because we don't need to serve to earn anything from him. And then I'm speaking to some here in this auditorium or watching by way of the stream. You're not followers of Christ. You've not come to the place in your life of being confronted with your sin and that you're a sinner condemned in that sin in need of a Savior Today, God calls out to you to believe in Christ because he's already done everything needed for your salvation. You don't need to concern yourself with earning salvation from God because he already offers it to you as a gift through the completed work of his son. And so today, let's look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 and respond to this call of Jesus. How can we start fresh through receiving the rest Jesus invites us to himself to find? Begin this new year. Determine right now as we get in to respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him and receive the rest for your soul that he gives. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, we find that Matthew reveals the invitation where we find keys to start fresh. 
Let's start with this, number one. We hear a call that we must respond to. Don't miss that this is a command. It's imperative. Jesus is calling out to us. He's inviting us, not because he wants to get something from us, but because he wants to give something to us. And friends, something you need to straighten out in your mind, that that is always true of God's call. God never calls out to me and you to get something from us. God always calls out to us because he has something to offer us. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. There have been times in my life that God's Spirit has led me to lay down something for him, to make a commitment to him, to give something to him. That is true, but what you get in return is always far greater than what you give. Every time God calls out to you, it's because he wants to give you something, not because he wants to get something from you. By the way, what do you have that God needs? Anything? It's a wonderful understanding to have. That God doesn't need anything from me. He, he doesn't invite me. He doesn't call out to me because he needs something from me that he's going to miss out if I don't give him. He calls out to me because he wants me and he wants you there's this call that we must respond to let's answer the question whom is the call for whom is it that god that jesus is calling out to well all we have to do is look at the text right come unto me what all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Even before getting to an explanation, do these descriptions sound like they could describe you ever? I mean, even without getting into, a, you know, Greek word study. I mean, if you think, man, labor, heavy laden, burdened, weary. Yeah, that sounds like me. Pastor, that's me right about now. We understand labor literally means to feel fatigued, to work hard. Now, is hard work a bad thing? No, in fact, this same word is translated other places in the New Testament in a good context, with a good connotation. Jesus here is not telling us there's something wrong with hard work. But often we grow weary with labor. We grow weary with toiling and working in this world, don't we? This world that is cursed because of sin. This world that is broken because of sin. We often struggle with that. He calls to those who are heavy laden. It means to load up. To be overburdened. And it especially expresses the idea of spiritual anxiety. 
What is Jesus talking about? You have to understand that in context, go back and read earlier in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus was being confronted by some of the religious leaders of the day. And there were times when Jesus addressed those religious leaders and challenged them because of the burdens that they lay on people who listen to them. So, for example, this particular word, heavy laden, is only used one other time in the New Testament in Luke eleven forty six, And there Jesus was rebuking the lawyers. Now, they're not lawyers like we think of lawyers. Okay, they're not legal attorneys, some trying to get you in prison and some trying to get you out of prison, okay? Not that type of a lawyer. These were the experts of the law of Moses. These were the individuals that would be often involved in sharing, teaching, um, requiring you and I to live according to the law of Moses, but not just the written law that we can find in the Word of God, but the oral traditions, uh, the interpretations of the rabbis that were passed down generation to generation, adding to, adding to, putting more and more burden on people. Jesus rebuked them for placing burdens on others that were too grievous. The burdens were varied, all of these things. You need to do this and do this and do this to merit favor with God. You need to do this to please God and you make sure you're doing this. Hey, and by the way, while you're doing these 30 things over here, don't forget all these things over here. Can I remind you that even in the written law, there are over 600, not just 10 commandments, there are over 600 recorded laws when God gave Moses the law. And then you add on top of that the hundreds of oral traditions of things that were added to it. That would be enough to burden anybody, wouldn't it? This is what Jesus told them in Luke 11, verse 46. And he said, Woe unto ye, you also ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. And so Jesus calls out to those who labor and are heavy laden. One scholar put the words together and explained that labor implies the burdens we take on ourselves. So as we go through life and we're laboring, we're toiling, we're working, and we're taking on more and more burden onto ourselves. And it's not just about the work we do that's good. Friends, there are works that we do that are not good. That are not in the plan and purpose of God for our lives. There are works that we do that are just straight up wrong. They're sin. We, we think, we say, or we do things that are against God. Those are works that are wrong. And through all of these, whether the works that, yes, we should be doing, but they're toilsome, 
They're wearying at times. And then we pick up works that we take on to ourselves that aren't even in the plan and purpose of God for us. And then we participate in works that are sinful, thinking and saying and doing things that we shouldn't do. We're just adding burden after burden after burden onto ourselves. And then if that's not enough, it goes on and he says that the heavy laden implies the burdens that others put upon us. Whether intentionally or not. Have you ever felt yourself swayed by the thoughts and actions of others? Well, I know how so-and-so is, and I know how they think, and I know how they do, and you know, so I need to do this because that's the way they do it or because they think that way. Or I saw so-and-so do this. And friends, it may be completely innocent on their part. They may do something for God and you saw it. And it becomes a guilt to you because you think, well, I need to do something like that or I need to do that or I need to do more because they did. Jesus calls to anyone who's burdened. Whether the burden you carry has been brought on by yourself or placed on you by someone else. Life is already challenging and difficult, isn't it? And then we add to it. It's difficult and burdensome without all those extra things that we place on ourselves or that others place on us. And yet so many of us carry extra burdens. Are you? As you've flipped over the calendar from 2022 to 2023, are you carrying some extra burdens today? Did those suddenly disappear when the clock struck midnight last night? Or are there some extra burdens you're carrying? Jesus issues the call to you. Now what is the call for? First, come. He spoke to those who were burdened, especially by the weight of sin and the weight of burdens placed on them by religion. Now, that's, that's the context. Jesus spoke to people who were being told by those around them, hey, you need to do these umpteen million things to merit favor with God and please God. And, and we know you're going to fail in at least one of them. And, and if you do, oh, you're not right with God. You're not pleasing to God. And so you need to continue to do all these things to, to earn something from God. Otherwise, he's not going to bless you. He's not going to love you. He's not going to help you. And they were already burned by the weight of the sin. And now these other burdens were being pressed onto them. And Jesus calls out and he says, no, come to me. Come to me. Can I tell you, friend, that that is the invitation of Scripture through and through? Even as God was bringing the penning of his word to a close, the last few verses of the Bible, Revelation 22 he tells us that the spirit and the bride say, come. 
And let him that heareth come and drink of the water of life freely. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, Come, he drives none away. He calls them to himself. His favorite word is come. Not going to Moses. Come unto me. To Jesus himself we must come by a personal trust. Not to doctrine, ordinance, nor ministry are we to come first, but to the personal Savior. And today Jesus cries out to anyone who is weighed down by the the guilt of sin, weighed down by the burden of sin that you can't get rid of. He calls out to you who are burdened down by what religion places upon you. And he says, no, it's not about doing all of that. Come to me. It's first a call to salvation. But then it's also a call to follow, to serve. First, he says, come. Second, he says, take. Notice what he says. Take my yoke upon you. Now, right there, we stop and we go, man, that doesn't sound much like rest. I mean, if you've ever seen an oxen with that yoke ladled over its neck and the top part of his back there, that doesn't seem much like, that seems like hard work, doesn't it? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've seen the, the graphical illustration of that ox with a plow pulling through a rocky field. Does that seem very restful? Seems like tough work, doesn't it? We'll see how Jesus takes care of that here in a moment. But what does he even mean to take his yoke upon you? The ancient Jews commonly used the idea of yoke to express someone's obligation to God. So they would use phrases like the yoke of the kingdom or the yoke of the law or the yoke of the command or the yoke of repentance or the yoke of faith or just a, the general yoke of God. But in this context... Jesus simplifies and he says, forget all those other yokes. Just take my yoke on you. What is this a call to? It's a call to discipleship. Jesus' call to take my yoke upon you is much like when he said, take up my cross and follow me. It's a call to follow. It's a call to, to learn. It's a call to, to take in from him. It's a call to serve him. Now, how does that relate to starting fresh and rest? It, it's difficult to find that, isn't it? And we'll see more in a few moments, but two thoughts now that we can recognize are this. Number one, his partnership. You say, what do you mean, pastor? When... A new oxen was first yoked up to the plow. That new oxen who had never plowed before was not yoked up by itself to pull the plow. It was always yoked up to a stronger, more experienced ox. And as that plow was pulled, that stronger, more experienced ox did the vast majority of the work. 
did the heavy pulling and labor and directing and guiding that the other ox might learn. What did Jesus say? He didn't say, take your yoke. He said what? Take my yoke. You see, Jesus is simply calling you and I to partner with him. He's going to do the heavy pulling. He's going to do the work. He just wants us to join him. And then, it's also reconciled in the character of his yoke. What does he say in verse number 30? For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wow. Easy. It literally means uh, employed. It's useful. Light literally means light, easy. It's the same word translated in 2 Corinthians 4.17 where Paul, speaking about our trials, says that they're light affliction. You say, I don't know, Pastor, I go some, through some pretty, I've gone through some pretty major trials. But in relation to eternity and the glory that we'll experience in eternity, Paul said the difficulty of our trials cannot even be compared to the glory of heaven. And friends, can I share with you today the yoke that we are called to carry here in this world for just a brief time cannot compare to the glories of heaven. But can I also say this? And some, if not all of you, know this to be true as I do. The yoke of Jesus is not nearly as burdensome as the yoke of sin. The yoke of Jesus and serving him is not nearly as burdensome as the yoke of sin and what sin causes in your life and mine. And it's not nearly as burdensome as the burdens I place on myself. And then thirdly, we're called to learn. Jesus calls us to make him the supreme focus of our study. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. This is the call that we are called upon to respond to. But then secondly and quickly, I want you to see this. We hear a commitment he desires us to experience. If we respond to come, take our yoke, his yoke upon us. Learn of him. What does Jesus promise? Rest. He provides rest. Now you say, you know, I, Pastor, I, I feel really tired. I feel really weary. Like, like, Pastor, I could fall asleep right now. And sometimes that's the way we often always think about rest, isn't it? I could really use a good nap. I could really use a quality night's sleep. And we miss it a little, don't we? Now there are times in the Bible where this same word rest is translated in context where it speaks of sleep. David often talked about in Psalms God blessing with peaceful sleep and rest. 
And I believe that there are times when God blesses with that. But that is not exactly what Jesus promises here, is it? Look at verse 29. He, he says, rest for what? Your soul. He promises rest for that inner part of you, that that part that we we could even describe as the the part that is where your will is found, is where the emotions rest. That that part of you that is the deepest part of you, is the most inner thoughtful part of you. It's it's that part where the battle rages that nobody else sees. It's that part of you where often even spiritual warfare takes place. It's that part of you that the experiences of life have their true influence and impact. Jesus says, if you come, if you take my yoke upon you, if you learn of me, it's there in your soul where you can have rest. What exactly is that rest? One person defined it simply this way, and I like it. Rest is whatever focuses us on the goodness of God. So, so soul rest could mean this. You are burdened by something in life. You, you have gone through an experience that is difficult, it's tough, it's hard. But yet that inner part of you remains focused on and dependent on and trusting in the goodness of God. It, it's that activity. It, it's that involvement in worship or in devotion or ministry to the Lord that keeps you focused on him and his goodness even when life is not good. How can we experience that rest? I want to give you these two concluding thoughts, applications. One, trust that what God has done is enough. Trust that what God has done is enough. And then secondly, and it goes along with it, and, and I'll explain a little. And I said this earlier, but I want you to really grasp it and take it in. God's done list is greater than your to-do list. That is often how we live burdened, overwhelmed, and overcome Stress to the max is because we are focused on and we are tied up in, our identity is tied up in that to-do list. And it's often because we're trying to earn something. We might be trying to earn the boss's recognition. We might be trying to earn that promotion or that raise. We might be trying to earn recognition from somebody else we might be trying to compete and outdo somebody else we might have this constant thought and battle in our hearts and minds well if i don't do all of these things and if i don't accomplish all of these things then i am 
a failure. If, if I don't get that book list done this year, then I've failed. Or if I don't accomplish this this month, then I have failed and I am a failure. But if we can learn to trust that what God has done is enough, and that his done list is greater to our our to-do list, it will free us. Because recognizing and living in these truths brings rest, because now we are not serving him to earn something from him. We're not working in life to earn something, to merit something. That is religion. And friends, we don't believe in a religion. We have a relationship. What does that mean? He has chosen you. You are accepted in the beloved. You are loved by God. He pours out his grace, his mercy. He crowns your life with his goodness and loving favor. And he doesn't do those things because you've earned it. And he won't do those things more because you earn it. This isn't an anti-work message. It's, it's not an anti-work invitation from Jesus. It's, it's not a a call to, hey, just stop doing everything and just sit around and do nothing. That, that's not it at all. It's a call to refocus. Because tomorrow you're going to get up. And if you go into the day like you do most days, you're going to go into the day with a to-do list. And come the end of the day, you will determine whether it's a good or bad day based on what you've done or haven't done. You're going to feel good about yourself or bad about yourself based on what you've checked off. And that's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to come to him. Take his yoke. Learn from him that we might find rest. So trust that what God has done is enough. That his done list is greater than your to-do list. And so, believer, can I remind you now that Jesus' invitation to you is to accept that call, experience the rest, trust that what he has done is enough, rest in his done list rather than completing your to-do list, serve out of love because you don't need to serve to earn anything from him. He's already given it all. And then if you don't know Christ, maybe you've been caught up in that trap of thinking you need to do and do and do and do to earn from God. No, the message of the Bible is it's already done. Jesus did it. Simply come. Believe on him.
will you determine with me this year? Not just for a fresh start, but to start fresh by accepting Jesus' call to come and find rest. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? as we take just these few moments to reflect and think on the truth. Perhaps God has spoken to your heart and maybe God speaking to your heart has even been conviction because of having a wrong focus. you do understand that tying up our identities in what we do is to focus on ourselves instead of to look unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who began good work in us and will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ maybe today you need to begin this new year by responding to him in that if that's you, you'd say, Pastor, yes, that's me. God has spoken to my heart today. And I'm raising my hand as a testimony to him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Pastor, that's me. God has spoken to my heart. I see the hands. More importantly, God does, and he knows the hearts. Maybe those of you watching, you'd say, God has spoken to my heart too, and I need to respond. And perhaps you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and today... That's what you need to respond. That's how you need to respond to him today. You need to come and say, I've been trying to do it. I can't. But God has shown me today that Jesus did it. Through his death on the cross for me, his burial and his resurrection. And I am placing my trust in him. If you're here in this auditorium today and you've been wrapped up in trying to get something from God and instead of trusting Jesus, would you right now call out to him in your heart believing that you died for your sin, was buried and rose again. If you're watching, you can do that right where you are and then just send us a message. I trusted Jesus today. And we'll rejoice with you in that.